what do uh, these things have in common? Um, what do, what does the sun and seals have in common? And while you're trying to figure that out, another question, what do oranges and narwhals have in common? What, do the, what does the sun and seals have in common? And what do oranges and narwhals have in common? Anybody want to throw out a guess there? No, you can't Google yet. Well, yeah, be that too, but that too, but that's not what I'm thinking about, but good one. Well, they were created by God, but I'm looking for something more specific. Well done. That is like the, Jesus' answer. It's got to do with vitamins. The sun and seal blubber are a source of vitamin D. Oranges and narwhals are a source of vitamin C. Right now, many Inuit people, people who live, indigenous people who live inside the Arctic Circle are really suffering because they can't develop properly and, and, and a lot of the children develop rickets because a, not a lot of sun, but the, their source of seal meat is under threat. And, and those narwhals that come during a particular time of year is a source of vitamin C for them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God amazing? The same thing, but just so different. And because of a change in the world, people are suffering because of a bad change. This morning, I want to speak about change. This morning, I want to talk about the fact that change is a real thing and that we need to be part of it. I've spent a lot of time in the last few months thinking about change as we've begun to think about and develop and do the rebrand and become known by a new name. I've just spent an incredible, much more time than usual. To be Truthful, pastors spend a lot of time helping people deal with change. Um, but, but it's been much more intense. And this morning, honestly, as we've gone through the home and the ground um, parts of our, of, our, of our new brand and our new name, and I've, I've, this morning I wanted to come and calm everybody who's battling with change. That was my intention. That was the thing I wanted to come here and, and, and to everybody's like, Ugh. but the problem is God. And then you start actually reading the passages and getting into it. And, and then you discover that perhaps God is saying something different. Because in all of these, these struggles and all of these questions that I've had, one of the things it never occurred me, to me to ask really is what does God think of change? You know, we always like, what does this person think? What do I think? I like this one, I don't like that one. But, but I almost never, well, I'd never ask myself the question, what does God think about change? And so I began to explore that. The one who is the creator of everything. The one who the Bible tells us 
His character never changes. The one who is eternal, the one who is constant, the one of whom the scripture says this in Psalm 55 verse 19, God who does not change. It's not just the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in the book of James, James 1 verse 17, it says this, God who does not change like shifting shadows. That God, the eternal one, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, loves change. I am absolutely convinced that the eternal, unchanging, unshifting God loves change. And I wanna tell you why this morning, why I believe that with all my heart. Firstly, if we look at the story of creation, if we look at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis one and two, we see that God builds change into the fabric of creation. God builds change into the fabric of creation. He does things like change dark to light. He creates a scenario where night becomes day. He tells the the oceans and the land to bring forth and to change and seeds and they drop into the ground and they begin to grow and things change because the truth is that in this incredible cycle of change, if things don't change, they die. I love living at the coast because the moon is a bigger thing at the coast. It really is because of tides. I love watching the moon as it goes through its phases of change. And they're not random. God put them there so that, so that the world would keep changing. In fact, God loves change so much that not only does he do this thing where he, 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 he creates this world that needs change, but then he, he creates Eden, this perfect garden, and he puts a human being in it, and what does he tell him to do? To garden. Now, I'm a terrible gardener, confessing, but a good gardener, what do they do? They change the garden. And so even in this perfect paradise, this place called Eden, God puts a human being in and essentially he tells him, change it, be a gardener. And so I'm absolutely convinced, not only that God wants change, but that he's, he's built a world that needs change. But it's not just that I think that because of the way creation is, I think that there are other reasons that I can see in scripture that tell us that God loves change. How he he takes his people on a spiritual journey. He, He asks them to change in their spiritual journey. We see how the practices in the Old Testament didn't stay the same. Different people in different situations are told by God to do different things in order to connect with him. Perhaps you were here last week and you listened to Jacques talk about 
about um, uh, ground and holy ground, and, and he began to talk about the temple and all of that stuff. I don't, if you weren't here, please try and get hold of the podcast. You can get a CD at the back, and then when our new website is completely built, you'll be able to get it off the website. Yeah, sorry about that, but, but, but go and listen to it. Because if you look in the Old Testament, there was a point in the Old Testament where people would worship God under a tree. And God was, was fine with that. And then there came a point where God said, now, now I'm ready to give you a tabernacle. Same God, same essence, new way. And then there came a point where God said, no, I want to take you out of the wandering in the tabernacle around the desert and, and, and I want to put, you in a, put your worship in a temple. I'm going to go and live in this permanent, beautiful, magnificent structure. And then Jacques explained to us how because of the fact that people moved and because eventually the temple was destroyed, that Jewish men now carry a, a small tent, the talit, with them. Same God, same worship, yet, yet change because of where people are and how they are connecting to God. But I'm not just convinced that God loves change because he built it into the way that creation works, because he built it into worship in the Old Testament. But as we look at Jesus, who the Bible tells us is the exact image of God, if you wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you wanna know how God would live on earth, you do know, it's Christmas and we're getting ready to celebrate that. You wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. And Jesus thinks change is a really important thing. In fact, you will see that Jesus steps out at a personal level and he says to his disciples in Mark 1 verse 17, and Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Bunch of fishermen. He says to them, guys, I, I want you to follow me. I want you to become my disciples and I will change your hearts and your lives so that you become something new and wonderful and so that you can serve me. There are so many other things that Jesus says when he encounters people, things like deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. We, we kind of throw that word disciple around a lot, but what a disciple was, was somebody who followed a master in order to learn the way that that master lived. To learn the way that that master interpreted scripture. To learn the way that that master served God. To become a disciple meant that my life as it is now is not what God wants it to be. And so I become somebody else's disciple so that I can follow the way God wants me to be. Go and read the Gospels. If you want to see how those guys changed, when, like Matthew the tax collector, Jesus called them and it says he left everything and followed. And so when Jesus invites people to be a disciple, he invites them to ongoing personal change in their lives. 
So many pictures in the New Testament say we, are, we need to mature. We need to transform. And if you, if you want to know whether you can stop transforming, the Bible even gives us that measure. It says when we are all mature to the full measure of Christ. What does a mature person look like? They look like Jesus. And I know that many of us look a bit more like Jesus than we did the other day, and hopefully we'll look a bit more, but, but transformation and change is going to be something that has to keep happening again and again and again until we look like Jesus. But Jesus wasn't just advocating and teaching change in individuals' lives. Over and over again, we see people reminding those who have decided that there's a particular way to worship God, that even that must change. Almost every encounter Jesus has with the Pharisees who had a system, and it was their system, and they were convinced it was the right system, and they said it, it, it mustn't change. They got angry with Jesus because he kept saying the system needs to change. And probably the most famous verse about the need for people as they are on their spiritual journey together for corporate change is found in the Gospel of Luke. It's found in a number of the Gospels. But, but if you've been a Christian for quite a while, you've heard the story. It's about old wine skins and, and old wine and new wine skins. And so the, the Pharise, Jesus is interacting with his disciples and the Pharisees come and they're grumpy with him. They say to him, hey, how come, your, how come we fast and John's disciples fast, but you, your disciples don't fast? What's with that? And so Jesus answers the question at the surface and he says to them, I'll tell you why they don't fast, because when you go to a wedding, you eat. You don't fast at a wedding. And, and the bridegroom is here, he's talking about himself, and he says, I'm here, and so my disciples don't fast. There'll be a time when they will fast. And so he answers that question at a superficial level. But then he takes it a step down, and he, and he tells a story so that they can understand that so many of the things we do corporately change from time to time. The way we do them, Jesus didn't say to them, you mustn't fast, they're not going to fast. He said, this is gonna look different because the world is different right now. And he says these famous words in Matthew chapter, Luke chapter five, verse 37. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. Now, it's really important to understand what Jesus is saying here. Because we don't, most of us, to be honest, think that Jesus is talking about something he's not talking about. Jesus is not talking about Wine transportation. You know, when you think of wineskins, you probably think of this picture. Um, he's coming. No, no, not that one. Not that, that one. That one. That's a bottle that's used to transport wine. 
and it's all cool and romantic and you know, you give them as presents that nobody ever uses. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus isn't talking about transporting wine. Jesus is talking about making wine. And the wine skins that they made wine in in Jesus, they didn't look like that. They looked like that. Yuck. And it was, it was a whole goat skin that was, that was the goat was skinned and all the openings were closed up. And then the wine would have been, been um, what's the word, mushed, pressed, mushed out, and then it would have gone into a fermentation pit and it would have stayed there for a little while and, and it would have been left to ferment and in, I, I know in my day I was taught in church that Jesus didn't make, wasn't talking about wine, he was talking about grape juice. He was not. In Jesus' day they drank wine which probably had about 12% alcohol in it because they had no fridges and water was in serious short supply. And so they would then put wine into a new wine skin and the fermentation process would continue. And because of that, the, the wine would, the, the gases would be released in the wine and the wine skin would have to stretch. And it would stretch and it would stretch until the wine was mature. And then it would either be put into one of those big, jars or into one of those other wine skins because it's not maturing anymore. Now you can move it around. What Jesus was saying was this. For something to grow, for something new to mature, for something new to be what I want it to be, change must happen. And he was telling those Pharisees that if you try to take what you've always done and put it into this new way, the way of Jesus, the following of Jesus, if you try to take what worked in a desert and try to do it in, in a land flowing with milk and honey, if you try to do what worked 35 years ago and try to do it now, you will lose everything. You see, that's the challenge here that Jesus is saying to him. If you put new wine into old wineskins, the wineskin can't stretch anymore. It's done all its stretching and it will burst. And you will end up with no wine and no wineskin. To be sure, Jesus is not talking about change for change's sake. Because the truth is he goes on a little bit later in that passage and he says something really important. Right at the end he says, nobody who's drunk old wine wants new wine. Now I, I didn't understand what, Je only Luke tells us that story and I, I went to look and some of the oaks think it's sarcastic that Jesus is like just being sarcastic. I'm not sure that Jesus did sarcasm. I'm really not sure. I don't think so. But what's he saying? He says the goal is old wine. The goal is old wine. God wants us to grow and wants us to mature and wants us to become more like him in the world we live in. 
And if we try to live in a world that used to be, we won't grow. If we try to change just for change's sake, we will also not grow. But if we take those things that God wants us to do, worship, loving our neighbor as much as that we love ourselves, serving him, following him, and we begin to discover new ways of doing those things, we will grow, we will mature, the wine skin will stretch, and we will become who God wants us to be. I'm absolutely convinced that the reason God has done what he's done in the life of this church in the 50 odd years that we've been around is because we've always had a church that's been willing to change when God has asked us to change. And the truth is sometimes it's hard, you know, when you've gotten used to old wine, I'm told, I can only drink new wine, just so that you know that. This is not a spiritual thing, I'm allergic to old wine. I'm allergic to fermented wine, I discovered that at a Lutheran communion service, which was the first time in my life, I was 18 years old, and I took a sip of that wine, and I walked back down the aisle going, (coughs) (coughs) something happened, I'm allergic. But God is not. God wants us to be mature. Christians that nourish and grow and develop and change others because of the nature of the world that God has put us in. We must be transformed. New wine, new wine skins. And we should celebrate the old. We should take that off the shelf and say, God, thank you for that but thank you that we get to be God's people and that we get to have old buildings and new buildings, that we get to have old forms of worship and new forms of worship, that we get to have old people and young people, that we get to be a community that is committed to new wine in new wineskins over and over and over again. Because if we don't, Jesus just says it so clearly, if you don't, you will lose everything. But the purpose of the wineskin is so that change can happen. The godly transformation of people becoming more like Jesus of a church becoming more and more like the body of Christ in the new world that we enter into every day. And our world and our community becoming more and more like Jesus because the kingdom of God has come in us, in our church and in the world around us. God loves change. Let's pray together. Let's stand, let's stand. God, thank you for your grace and your goodness. Lord, thank you that you you go with us in our spiritual journeys. 
Lord, for those of us who are excited about this period of change, Lord, help us never to want to change just for change's sake. Lord, for those of us who are afraid of it, help us never to hold back because it's something we don't want. Lord, thank you for giving us a new identity. Thank you for giving us a a, a new mission. Thank you for, for the fact that you have called us to be a community of transformation. Oh God, who changed and came out of heaven and became a human being we, we give you thanks for that. And Lord, we want to honor that by being people who we allow our God to change us in our deepest being. And now to him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before his presence with great joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said,